and I remember God asked me this question and he said, Amy, if all you did in life was just be with me and love me and love people and you have nothing to show, nothing to prove, then that's all you did. Will you be okay with that? And I just remember with tears coming down my face and I just said, yeah, I think so, God. Mm. You know, um, I don't think we all fully, we don't graduate and arrive there. There's always an ongoing struggle. And so I think practically daily for me is, um, I think also with just the, the gift of the community of follower, I've been learning to lean into the space of stillness and silence and solitude. And so for me, um, I've been trying every morning to just sit. Um, before I do anything else, I just sit with God and I don't say anything and I just am in silence. And it's just me practicing the art of presence, giving him my presence um, and letting him give me his presence. Welcome to the Follow-Up Podcast. A place for conversations and ideas on how we follow Jesus to the depths of his heart and the ends of the earth. Follow is a community of learning and practice in the way of Jesus. And you can find out more about resources, events, and how to get involved by visiting www.wearefollower.com or finding us on your social media platform of choice. We hope you enjoyed this episode with your host, Matthew Lewis. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Follower Podcast. It is good to be in your ears. Uh, we are in the series We Are Follower. We've been looking at our different values, what it means to be Jesus-centered, what it means to be fully surrendered. And today we're talking about what it means to be intimacy-called. And what I'm hoping you're starting to see is that one value flows into the next value, flows into the next, flows into the next. So. As Jesus is at the center of our lives, it only makes sense that then we would be a fully surrendered community. But that surrender, as we'll talk about today, isn't only unto the doing. That surrender is actually unto a person. We surrender into the presence of the God that we love. And so that's what we want to talk about today. We did have a plan to have a conversation with Strawn Coleman from Commoners Communion around that. So you would have maybe heard that in the last episode that that was going to be the case, but unfortunately Strawn wasn't able to join us. He's, he's just um, struggling a bit with some health stuff. So Strawn, if, we, if you hear this, we're praying for you, friend, and really praying that you get better quickly. Um, but you don't only have to listen to my voice on this podcast. I have called in uh, the A-team, guys. I've called in, I'm called in the big guns. Uh, Amy Din is coming to join us for this conversation. Amy, welcome to the Follow-Up Podcast. Thank you, Matt, for having me on. Good to have you here. And Amy is part of the follower community and really has been one of the OGs, one of the originals since right in the beginning. Amy, tell us a little bit about your journey with follower. Uh, how did you get involved? How, this, how has this been for you being part of this community? Yeah, I think um, it all started for me when I came to visit South Africa uh, in 2021 on in just unexpected but just so ordained trip by the lord and um and i found myself uh, hanging with a bunch of guys around the table and um yeah and uh, of course was in contact with matthew lewis your host 
And uh, yeah, he just started telling me about this um, community of people that are just learning and practicing the way of Jesus and um, just really, uh, they just have a desire and a hunger to, um, yeah, to, to know more uh, about who God is and to live out a life um, that reflects who he is. And um, yeah, so I just, I just leaned into that and uh, joined them for a couple meetings and then I found myself uh, being connected to the community. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Now we're going to hear more about Amy's story, but uh, just before we jump into that, I'd love for us to just pause and we're going to listen to a poem. Uh, we've been having a poem for each value. This poem is written by Kirst Kelly, who's one of the follower community and read by myself. So you're welcome. You get, you get my voice twice in different mediums today. So uh, let's just pause and pray as we listen to this poem together and then we'll jump right in. The face I wear is wearing thin. Cracks sound as lines appear. Trembling, my hands find my face. Fingers run along the once smooth veneer as pieces of my self-made casket start falling to the ground. Dropping to my knees, I grasp for pieces in the dust before anyone can see who I really am inside. But each piece I find is not my own. It belongs to someone else. This plight I bear is wearing thin. Hope sounds as lines appear, trembling. My hands find debris. Fingers rake the dust of many tears as gradually polluted shields are shed by others just like me. Lifting my head, I gasp, I deeply breathe, my lungs fill with relief. Perhaps others have come this way, and now they live at peace. Oh, how I long it to be. Then a stench wafts through the wind and reaches me, reminding me the one I hide is worse than all the rest. I fall back to the ground, hope dissipates in a flash. This fight I wage is wearing thin, war sounds as lines appear. Trembling, my hands find my face as fingers start to peel the layers of self-protection growing all around my heart for years. And then I hear you speak my name as though it's always been. Your voice sounds and the haze between us begins to grow thin. At last I see you, your face, and you beckon me to come to step into the light emanating from your throne. It's a warming glow, a gentle pull drawing my heart to yours, inviting me to let you see the deepest places of my soul I'm so afraid to show. I take a tentative step forward, but in a second I'm less sure. I let my eyes fall to the ground as darkness tries to return. I sense you coming closer and I almost start to run. I feel your hands upon my face as you fight for life to come. Piece by piece, you break down the walls I thought would keep me safe until you see my naked face and I feel no more shame. Okay, welcome back. Amy, uh, Tell everyone who's listening, give us a little bit of your story. Where are you from? How did you come to friendship with God? Who's Amy Dinn? 
Um, well, Amy Din uh, grew up in a Buddhist household, um, was born in Vietnam, and uh, when I was five, my family and I moved to the States, um, specifically to the state of California, and I grew up there, and um, yeah, I think uh, just growing in a very broken uh, household, um, I was the youngest of my family, and um, really had a struggle with my relationship with my parents, specifically with my mom. Um, and, uh, yeah, just like it really was, uh, was a person of, of deep anger, um, and bitterness towards my mom and, uh, my family and, um, just went through some hard things, you know, um, growing up in a city that was known more for its violence than its diversity. And, um, and then, you know, towards, uh, the, like at the end of my freshman year of high school, how uh, yeah. old are you? What does freshman mean for people who are not Sorry, freshman year of high school. I'm about, a, about 15 now. Okay. Um, and uh, I really struggled with deep depression at the time. And uh, yeah, I started having these suicidal thoughts and um, was just asking, you know, the question of existence, right? I think at some point everyone um, asks that question. And I started asking the questions, uh, why do I exist? Um, where do I belong? Am I loved? And I tried to find those answers in the faith or religion that I grew up in, which is Buddhism. And I found no answers. I tried to find it in friends and tried to find it in basketball, um, which is like at the time my passion and um, just found no answers. And um, I uh, one night I bought into the the lie and belief that my life didn't matter and and that the world would just be better better off without me and my family would just be better off without me and and so I attempted um uh, suicide and um, without going to details I uh, had an overdose and I just remember that night um like just feeling complete hopelessness and uh and I, right now I'm like 15 and a half and um I just remember like my body shutting down and um, and yeah, just like, where am I going, you know? And I just felt like in that moment, like my spirit was like leaving my body. Um, but I'm just so thankful because uh, one of my best friends, um, her mom is such a prayer woman, you know? Um, I really believe that it, it was the love and mercy of God, but also the, the faithful prayers of this mom that saved my life and um, I thought I was going to die in my sleep that night um, but the next day I, I woke up alive I woke up healthy and so I went on this spiritual journey of just trying to find answers for what happened and uh, shortly after uh, April 2004 I was invited to come to this youth group service on a Friday night and so I said yes I'm like okay I have nothing else to do I'll, I'll, I'll go and so I went and I just remember um, I stood in the back of this church, a small church called Freedom Worship Center in San Jose, California. And I just stood in the back on the right side. And I remember seeing all of these young people just worshiping God like so passionately. And and I still remember the song they were singing is the song um, that goes, I'm trading my sorrows for the joy of the Lord. I say, yes, Lord. Um and then the, the youth pastor came up and he shared the gospel and and about this God who came and in exchange for 
his love and mercy and for his gift of salvation, this free gift that we just give him everything that is that is with us, you know, that comes with us, the brokenness, the junk, the darkness, the sin, the hopelessness, all of that. And I had a lot of that. <laughs> I was full of that. And, um, and of course, uh, you know, the youth pastor gave an invitation um, to those in the room, like, if you, um, if you want this God and his love, like, and give your life to him, um, would you just come up? And, 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 and surrender your life to him. And so I remember in that moment, it felt like a battle in my soul. I heard two voices. One voice said, Amy, you like, don't do this. This is wrong. Um, this is not true. And then I heard another voice. And of course, later I realized that was the voice of God. Um, and this other voice <clears throat> so tenderly said, Amy, you've tried everything. What do you have to lose? Give me an, a chance. I'll show you my love. And so I decided to go with that voice. <laughs> and so um, I walked up, you know, towards the front of the church. And it was just so simple. I just laid it all bare before this God. Um, and I said, if you are truly who this youth passage just said and shared um, about who you are, then I give you everything. Here is my bitterness, my anger, my hopelessness, my suicidal thoughts, like um, everything, uh, my sin, my darkness, and uh, I give it to you in exchange for your love and your mercy. And, uh, and I was like, I'm, I'll make you Lord over my life and King over my heart. And it was just so simple. And then shortly after the youth pastor and a few of the youth volunteers came over and he just asked if they could just pray for me um, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I said, okay, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so the moment they laid hands on me just to pray for me, it felt like the, the love of God with this like strong force and strong presence that knocked me to my knees. And I just began to weep uncontrollably, like I couldn't stop. And I think if I could describe it with our limited human vocabulary um if love was in liquid form it felt like someone took a bucket full of liquid love and just poured it out on wow, me cool. and i was just drenched in this like liquid love just this tangible love that was just washing away everything and i thought at the time it was just 20 minutes that i was on the floor crying and letting this love just touch me and counter me and wash over me. But when I finally got up, it was two hours later. Wow. And it was just me, my friend who drove me there, and the youth pastor. And of course, uh, like I shared earlier, I, you know, I, I came from a Buddhist background. And so um, when I got in my friend's car, I looked at him and I said, I don't know why, but I feel like a brand new baby. Mm. I didn't have any language or grid for what born again was, but it literally felt like I was a brand new person. And so I made it a, a plumb line in my life. And I made this like, almost like, almost like a vow. It was like, whoever this Jesus is that just like showed me and just poured his love out on me and completely changed me, uh, I want to give my life to discovering him and like seeking him out and knowing him more. And so that just set me on this journey of just hunger and desire. I even remember 
at the time I didn't know of a good church in my city and so I would take the metro what we call in California BART so I would take the metro BART um, from one city to the next and then I would take a bus from that city to another city and just wait there to be picked up because I never wanted to miss youth group service or church on the weekend because I was just so hungry for more of God and even times where I didn't have money God would just have me stop someone in the middle of the road and be like, I'm sorry, this is so weird, but I, um, I'm in need of some money to get in the metro. And I felt like God um, had me stop and ask you. And I kid you not, people would just give me a few dollars. And um, it just, yeah, it just began this like, uh, this journey of friendship and relationship with God. And, um, you know, through all the struggles of life, I just, yeah, I just always wanted more of him. And I think that's really shaped, uh, shaped who I am. And I think even just like the the work that I've given myself to, and I, really just a life, a lifestyle that I want to live out. Wonderful. I think the one thing that you've said again and again there is that your desire was always for more of God. It's like from that moment of that encounter, it does seem like He's just marked you with this appetite for His presence. And I think we were chatting just before this, it's like when I look at your life, that really is your life message. It's like more of God, the presence of God, being with God. and so. You know, when we were talking about being intimacy called, I just thought, man, Amy, it would be great to speak into this because this really is the message that you live. This is the thing that burns on your heart. I know Mary of Bethany is so close to your heart and that story. And um, Tell us a little bit about it because you then became a missionary. You ministered in Nepal for many years. Uh, tell us a bit about that and kind of the mark of that and then this idea of just intimacy with God being the sort of song and message of your life. Yeah, um, well, <clears throat> before I just yeah said yes to the call of missions and moved overseas and um, to Nepal and then, you know, now to Africa. But um, before that, I was just uh, faithful in, you know, working with the youth at my church, um, helping lead worship and and then just uh, serving on my college campus at the time. And, and in all of that, I just remember like, I was surrounded by small groups of people that really had a similar desire. Um, there must be more. Um, we want more. <laughs> and uh, I just remember even shortly after I got saved, um, I we would have our youth group services on Friday nights and you know, a bunch of us after youth group service, we didn't want to leave. Like our faces, we would just have our faces on the ground on this, the dirty rug, you know, the of the church building and just crying out for more of God and just wanting to be with God. And the church didn't even really know what to do with us because we were just like desiring and hungering after this presence and this God who showed us his love. And it's like we just couldn't couldn't have enough mm. and um and then that just flowed into um just the college ministry i was a part of and 
um, my desire, even at the time, was just, God, that you would just have a resting place here on my college campus, that that there would just be lovers here, um, and that there would be prayer and worship that would arise from this place, that there would be people who would not just go to college and go to school just for the sake of getting a college degree, but know that they would know you and discover you here and be able to share that with others, um, you know, and share their faith and their love for you and your love for them with those around them, um, teachers and students. And so um, I would just find myself uh, being a part of the ministry there um, at San Jose State and would gather these different nights of prayer and worship. Um, specifically, we uh, we would hold uh, those meetings uh, at our Spartan Prayer Chapel. And in the middle of the night, you know, you just see students just laying out on the pews and some leading worship, some leading prayer, some sleeping because they have the next, you know, next set that they're going to lead. And, um, but yeah, it just really marked me uh, during those seasons. And then obviously, uh, finally saying yes to the call of missions over my life and then moving to Nepal and, um, and even just that, like, um, I think the call to, to intimacy, um, I think when we say intimacy call, it's really, it's giving ourselves to the greatest calling of our lives. And the greatest calling of our lives is to be lovers, mm. um, is to be with him. Mm. And uh, it's, it's really the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with everything, with all of who you are. It didn't say the greatest commandment is to, you know, plant the biggest church or do something like that, you know, um, or even uh, see all of these things happen in the nations. Like, yeah, those things are good and they're vital and they're so important. But the greatest calling is the greatest commandment. And that's the call to intimacy. Mm-hmm. And that's something that he calls us back to. It's, it's what was in the garden. It all started there. It's what he paid the ultimate price for. And it's what's going to be for all of eternity. It's it's intimacy. It's love. It's relationship. It's being with God. It's knowing him. Um, and so, yeah, I, uh, you know, through the struggles and the seasons of life and, um, but just praise God for his kindness and how he brings us back to that when we, uh, I think um, so easily fall back mm-hmm. on the doing, the working, the serving. Um, I'm just reminded of the story of Martha and Mary in, uh, I believe, Luke 10. And you see these two sisters, right? Um, Jesus loves so much. and uh, But you see that Jesus, you know, he makes his way into this home, into their home. And you have one sister, this one character who goes to prepare things in the house and just so busy and is anxious and troubled, right? That's what Jesus said in the scriptures. And she was just so busy doing and serving, making it the best experience or the best visit for Jesus that she forgot to just be with him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like if my friend came and I just didn't want to be with her. I just wanted to make sure that she was comfortable, that she was well-fed. And though those things are good, um, but I just didn't want to be with her. And then you find this other character, this other sister named Mary, who just sat there 
Mm. Literally, she just sat there, sat at the feet of Jesus and just listened to him. I'm sure she was so net, just like so captivated by him, mm. you know, just sitting there and just like looking into his eyes. And as he's sharing and teaching, she's just like soaking it all in and just receiving from him and like a sponge, you know, just soaking it all in, just being with him and enjoying his presence. Like he's here in my home. Mm. Like what better way to spend, you know, this time than to be with him? Because I don't know when he's going to come next. I don't know if I'll get another chance, you know, but but he's here and I just want to be with him. And so I love what the scriptures said about her and what, what really Jesus said about her. He said, um, Mary has chosen the good portion mm. and it would not be taken away from her. And this one thing is necessary. So Mary, <clears throat> was about the one thing and i wonder if it's the one thing just like in psalm 27 you know when david said one thing i ask you know mm -hmm. that will i seek and that one thing is is the call to intimacy mm -hmm. is the call to be with him Yeah, it's beautiful. And I, I think why it's so important, I'd love to get into a, a few sort of practical thoughts just now and like, okay, what does that look like for you in your life? Like to be a person of intimacy with the Father. But for people who are listening to this, I think at least in my faith, my faith story has been marked by, uh, I guess, a pretty radical coming to Jesus when I was in my 20s. Um, that was marked by like a lot of passion and a lot of zeal and a lot of stuff. And then I think I kind of progressed, I don't know, in a healthy or unhealthy way, just was to something a bit more cerebral, a bit more like theology heavy, thought heavy, idea heavy. And I think I see a lot of people who are in a similar place. And I see a lot of that in the church and a lot of that in the circles that we kind of work in and walk in. People who know a lot about Jesus and are very familiar with the structures that surround this man, but at some point, somehow, like a distance developed. And it's this idea of like the distance between the head and the heart, these 16 inches, you know, and that being the, the biggest distance in the world. And I think when I think about follower, when I dream about follower, or just the church of Jesus in general, what I'm dreaming of is a people who don't just know about Jesus. And even as you're listening to this, maybe just think about that in your own friendship with God. If I had to just ask you to describe your faith, is your faith a place where you know about Jesus? You could tell me about him. You know, you have ideas, you've listened to sermons, podcasts like these, etc. Or is your faith one where you know Jesus? Is he a real personal friend? You know, and I think that's been some of the journey of the last year or two, the Lord's used grief in my story to start to open up my heart to Him again. Um, but there's been a necessary sensitizing to the reality and the presence of God that needed to move Him beyond just a thought and an idea to a lived reality. And I think that's intimacy language. That's vulnerability language. That's relationship language. And I think a lot of us live in the world of 
theology language, philosophy language, concept language, tradition language. Not that those things don't have their place, but uh, even, you know, when we talk about surrendered, being fully surrendered, as we've said, it's surrender unto a person. Like that person is alive and living and real. And if we're not in friendship with that person, if we're not entering into the first commandment, we're so missing the biggest part of this whole thing. You know, we are invited to know into a living relationship with the living God. And I think sometimes people struggle with that because in honesty, we can get our head around a concept. We can get our head around a theology. We can work with nice ideas. But the second we start saying, no, this God is alive and to be known as a person, as a, as a, a personality, a relationship in your life, now we're moving into the supernatural and the mystical. And that's sometimes what's hard for people to bridge that gap. So I don't know, some thoughts on that for you. And also, practically, what does that look like in your life? So someone's listening to this going, okay, I'd love to taste and see. I'd love to have this moment with Mary at his feet. Man, what does that look like in my life? How do I do that? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I'm just reminded of, sorry, just kind of have a sore throat, but... Amy's uh, coming off the back of a flu and she's faithfully serving us because she's a soldier. That's all. <laughs> Lover, mm. soldier. Um, anyways, um, I think as you were sharing, I am just reminded of this devotional um, that I was going um, through last year. And uh, the first like prayer um, excerpt from this devotional, it goes, Lord, remind me that you reveal yourself not to those whose mind is a concordance, but to whose heart is a cathedral. Mm. And it's so true. It's um, We can know so much about God, but we don't know him. right? And um, I think just thinking about those, the, even those characters in, in the scriptures, like, I mean, Peter knew about him. He was with him, but... It was a moment where he had this revelation, like, oh, you are the Christ, you know. I think of Mary of Bethany, who had this revelation and this knowing that, man, he is the anointed one. Therefore, I must anoint him. And her devotion was so extravagant that it it was foolish to everyone in the, in the room. And be, as a result, they criticized her because... They couldn't understand why she would do that. Um, waste it all on Jesus. Um, all this expensive oil that could have been sold and given to the poor. But for her, she was like, man, I, I love him. Like, I, I know him and, and, and I see him. And I can do this. Because I think obedience and you know, following Jesus, it's out of the overflow of, of knowing and intimacy. It's revelation. and um, We can give our bodies, right, at the end of the day, we can give our bodies to be burned. We can prophesy. We can cast out demons. We can heal the sick. We can plant many churches and see many people get bring many souls into the kingdom. But if it's not out of a place of love and intimacy, then... You know, Jesus would say, I don't know you. You know, you, you didn't take time to, to know me and be with me. It's like, uh, you know, the Lord reminded me a few years ago, like, Amy, be careful not to miss me in the midst of ministry. Mm. 
uh, you know, to miss me and miss being with me in the midst of doing. And that's coming from someone who is a like type two Enneagram, you know, at the core and <laughs> just always wants to help and serve and do. Um, but just, you know, like I said, the kindness of the Lord in, in moments of struggle, just being brought back to that reality again. It's like, it has nothing to do with the doing. It's just about being with you. And um, yeah, for me, I remember last year I was um, in South Africa and I was sitting out at this bench and looking overlooking the city of Durban. This was last January. And I remember God asked me this question and he said, Amy, if all you did in life was just be with me and love me and love people and you have nothing to show, nothing to prove, and that's all you did, will you be okay with that? And I just remember with tears coming down my face and I just said, yeah, I think so, God. Mm. You know, um, I don't think we all fully, we don't graduate and arrive there. There's always an ongoing struggle. Um, in seasons but also daily and so I think practically daily for me is um, I think also with just the the gift of the community of follower and and then the communities that I've been a part of but specifically follower I've been learning to lean into the space of stillness and silence and solitude and so for me um, I've been trying every morning to just sit um, before I do anything else, I just sit with God and I don't say anything and I just am in silence. And it's just me practicing the art of presence, giving him my presence um, and letting him give me his presence. Mm. And most of the time it's with a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's just having a cup of coffee with Jesus. Yeah. You know, like not not even really opening up a book or a scripture, <clears throat> but just spending that time with him and not asking him to give me something or, you know, praying for something specific, really just, um, I think that's really, I think that's true prayer even, you know, it's, it's really just giving um, presence and realizing that the more and more I realized that, that the gift of presence was really um, paid uh, with a great cost and price mm. that Jesus paid for so that we can have access to the presence. Mm. And I don't want to lose sight of that or forget that or take advantage of that, but always be reminded that, man, I have access to presence. I have access to relationship with God because Jesus paid this price. practice of the silence and solitude that Amy's talking about yeah really very very helpful and it seems um, 
counterintuitive that something so small could have such significant effect. But it's because of the, the way that you enter into that space. So this could be homework for you if you're listening and going, okay, I want to try and start to cultivate this intimacy, this awareness of God. Five minutes, here's your, here's your medicine. Five minutes every day, you can literally set a timer on your phone. Make yourself a cup of coffee or do whatever you got to do. Find a quiet space and then just sit and don't have like any expectation around that. You're not trying to get anything out. You're not trying to give anything. And when you're done with those five minutes, you don't even look back and review it. You just literally give that time to the Lord. Um, and then there's this cool idea of like, you look at God looking at you in love. So you just basically enjoy the gaze of the Father over you as He just looks at you in love. And you just do that for five minutes. Just sit in the gaze, the loving gaze of your Creator and just enjoy that and let that be enough for you. And you do, do that day after day after day, five minutes a day, and you build up, you know. Um, and it'll, you'll be amazed at how just that practice slows you down, increases your awareness, starts to open up your capacities to receive the presence of God. Amy, has it been like that for you? I don't know. Yeah, I think intimacy is, is cultivated um, over time. And it's, it's doing the, what we call it, the mundane, the ordinary. But I'm just reminded of just, I mean, in light of all that's happening in America with God's outpouring of His Spirit and revival that's happening in America, it's really just God breathing on and moving upon and meeting us in the ordinary, the mundane, the faithful, the everyday. And so, you know, us giving ourselves to sitting with Him for five, ten minutes over time, it's, it's sustaining this love. Because I think love and intimacy is not like those like big moments, you know, in our lives. Oh, that encounter or, you know, the moment of salvation or at this conference, though those things are all part of it. Um, but I think over time, <clears throat> I've discovered that um, that the outward expression of passion and love and burning is really an inward, faithful, everyday, loyal burning. And um, yeah, and that is, I think that's wisdom. <clears throat> and that's what is going to sustain us, is what's going to sustain love and intimacy is it's really... I'm giving myself faithfully, I'm posturing myself, positioning myself in this way um, to meet with you and to be with you. Mm. Um, and you don't have to give me anything. Um, and I don't need to earn anything from you or show or prove anything to you. Um, and I think in marriage it's the same, right? It's like, it's not about what I can do for you, though it's part like, you know, we, we service and all that, like, it's out of the overflow of love and intimacy, but is I, I, I want to be with you. You know, I want to have a meal with you. I'm not just going to cook the meal for you. Like, I want to have the meal with you. And I think that's what God calls us back to, is back to the table, is back to this uh, this reality of, of relationship and intimacy and communion and fellowship with Him. And it's what he paid for. Mm. Um, and it's what is going to be for all of eternity. Like, you know, missions will cease and church planting and all of those things, you know, it's all going to stop. But worship will remain forever. Mm. And love will remain forever. And 
just like what I said earlier, like lovers will always outdo workers. Mm. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, love is, it should be at the core. And, um, and really, uh, I think that's Jesus centered, right? Is Jesus has to be at the center and, and love has to be at the center and at the core of everything that we do right? Yeah. and everything that we are yeah. um, in our existence. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that thought of like... It's the uh, greatest calling. Is the, exactly right. It's the highest calling. And it's, I think it's Pete Gregg who makes the observation. He says, you know, when for some people, because of the state of their prayer life now, it's like when they get to eternity... And there's and there's no nothing to intercede for, no sickness to pray for, healing for, no unreached people groups to pray for. When there's when there's no work left to intercede for, and all that's left is abiding, there will be some people who don't know what to do in that space because they've never cultivated a spirituality of just abiding in the Father. Like so much of their faith, their prayer life, well intentioned though it is, is so transactional that by the time that they get to eternity and there's now no longer transaction other than presence, it's like many people will, will not know what to do there. Like what, yeah. what will prayer look like when you've got nothing to intercede for, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the challenge here is like how do we cultivate a prayer life not only of intercession because we're still on this side of eternity, but of abiding, of presence, of appreciating and really enjoying the reality of our friend Jesus, who's here with us now by the power of his spirit, yeah. you know. And if that is for all of eternity, right, like we just chatted about and what you just mentioned about, um, then should we not cultivate now on this side of eternity mm. so that we wouldn't be surprised when we're on the other side of eternity mm. and that we're going to do this for the rest of our lives? Totally. Is to just be with the one who loves us, to be with the lover of our souls who gave it all and and our response is the natural and appropriate response to to what he has poured out and lavished upon us so generously um is to pour that love back is to pour that adoration is to pour back the affection back to him we love because he first loved us and we can't pour that love unless we've experienced that love and because we've experienced that love, should we not pour it out mm. ever even more? So good. Emilia, thank you for being on the follow-up podcast. It's been amazing to have you. Um, is there anything else as we land? We're going to finish now. I'd love for you to pray over anyone listening. Um, and really just kind of pray some of the... Like what I'd love is for the impartation of the passion you carry somehow to move across the podcast land mm-hmm. into people's lives. I wish that everyone listening here could, uh, I'm going to tell a little story. You might not appreciate me telling it, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Uh, when Amy worships, it's like you can't help but worship. They say that the best way to, to fall in love with something is to watch someone love that thing. And whenever you worship, I remember when we were in um, Belfast, we were at the 24-7 conference. And man, it's like worship and things are going on and it kind of quietens down. And you just start shouting at the top of your lungs, Jesus, you're beautiful. Jesus, you're beautiful. And I remember it like piercing the silence and like echoing around that auditorium of thousands of people. And I was just so aware of like, when I saw you in that moment, I was like, man, I want that heart. You know, I want that heart that burns for Jesus the way your heart burns for Jesus. And I want to I wanna pray that anyone listening and the follower community would be marked by that same passion and burning for Jesus. So 
I wonder if you could just pray over us um, for that. Yes. I would love to pray for everyone. <clears throat> Sorry for my voice, but... Hmm. Yeah, Jesus, we just say that we love you. We love not because, God, of just anything that we can do or offer, but Lord, we just pour out our love and we respond with love and we give you our love because you first loved us and because we've tasted and seen this good and amazing love. And so, God, I just pray for friends all around the world. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that we would be brought back to this reality that we know it's going to be for all of eternity, is to abide in you, is to be with you, is to love you like the way you've loved us, is to be with the lover of our souls, is to be with the one who gave it all, who is love himself, who at the core of everything that he did and does is love. Thank you, Lord, that the truth is lovers who always outdo workers and that love is what is going to be forever and it will be sustained. Lord, I just pray that you would, in your kindness would just lead us back to that, Lord, when we fall away, when we stray away, when it's so natural and our tendency of broken humanity is to fall back on the doing and the serving and the working and what can we do for you, God? And though those things are good and they're, they're vital and they're, they're important, but God, the most important thing and the greatest calling or the highest calling that we can have in our lives is actually we're called to love, we're called to intimacy. We're called to the greatest commandment. That is the highest calling, is to minister to you and to be ministered by you, Lord, to receive from you and to pour back out, Lord, what we received from you. And so I pray, Lord, every single person listening to this episode, this conversation, I pray that you would lead all of us, Lord, into deeper love and intimacy with you, God. Lord, teach us what it looks like, what it means to abide, what it means to have relationship with you. Jesus, you, you live that out. You really modeled it and embodied it, Lord, with your relationship with the Father. And everything flows from that, that our obedience, our following uh, of you, Lord, um, to the depths of your heart, to the ends of the earth, Lord, that all comes and it's out of the overflow of relationship. It's out of the overflow of intimacy and love. And love is what is going to be the end of our story. Lord, would you mark us, Lord, with this reality? And would you help us, Lord, when we fall short and when we stray away um, from it, Lord? We just want to offer you our best. And our best is really presence. And we just want to give you our presence and we just want to receive your presence. And we just want to give you our love, our weak love. And we just want to receive your love. Lord, may we all be lovers of Jesus, friends of God, people of deep devotion and intimacy.
We love you so much. And we know it's only because you loved us first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. That's all for this episode of the Fuller Podcast. If you found it helpful or inspiring, please consider sharing it and leaving a review on your podcast platform to help us connect with more people around the world. If you would like to support the Ministry of Follower with a monthly contribution or one-off donation, you can visit www.wearefollower.com forward slash support. And to say thank you, we'll send you a free copy of Live the Story, an ebook that helps you learn to share your faith with others. Until next time, may you follow Jesus to the depths of his heart as he helps you share his love wherever you go. From the ground beneath your feet to the very end of the earth.